Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Beginning of the year, they struggled a little bit to find some chemistry, but they're very close friends. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Some friendly chatter between Rajon Rondo and Draymond Green. That's what you want to call it? <laughs> what do you want to call it, Chuckster? I just want somebody to punch him in the face. Which, Which one? one? <laughs> American Express halftime report. I really do. I just want somebody to punch him in the face. Why you don't like Draymond? I want to punch him in the face. Why don't like Draymond? I'm just telling you, I want to punch his ass in the face. You I know do. what? We got we got John Cosgrove in here from the Crafty Rogues podcast. We always debate, you know, American sports culture and things that we can improve. One thing I think we have that maybe no other, and maybe you can correct this on this, maybe no other league or, or country has, we have Charles Barkley calling it like it is pre- and post-game shows for NBA playoff games, baby. There is nothing There's nothing close to Charles Barkley. we got a couple of guys who, when they're talking, you sense that they're just trying to be controversial, just trying to stir the pot, yeah. and it seems it doesn't seem authentic. You can tell Barkley's being authentic. He doesn't hold back. Just like he was as a player. That's what you'd expect. Absolutely, so, yeah. Yeah, so it would be hard to find someone like that. A couple of guys come to mind, but again, it feels like they're, they're just trying to stir the pot. And there's an Irish guy, even Dunphy at home. He's a terrible footballer, but he loves telling everybody how good he was. <laughs> and he deliberately just, you know, stirs the pot every time. And a couple of people have screenshotted some, some of his columns and called him out on his nonsense, and he's now become a laughing stock. So it's important to be authentic. So is, is he a, a commentator or a, he's uh, a columnist? Pun- he's what we call at home a pundit. Okay, so he's a columnist. He's more he, like... He's a, he, 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 writes, he writes in the paper. Okay. He has a radio show, and he's also uh, on a panel when there's a game on. In fact, it's <laughs> oversaturated. He looks like death warmed up, and he needs to be taken <laughs> off the air. Like, why is like? <laughs> what I wonder is if your career is over and you're, you know, you're 50 years old or whatever, you're not going to play yeah. again. Yeah. And you don't have any aspiration to and coach. And you're a little bitter because you didn't get the coaching job and you weren't that good as a player. Uh-oh. And your job now is to, to make fun of other people out there trying. I don't have much respect for it. Well, there's, but, but if you're, but let's say you're, uh, you're looking to you're looking to get into this second career, right? Yes. You're gonna be a you're gonna be a pundit now. You're pundit. gonna be a talking you're head. You're gonna have a a podcast with an Australian lunatic. Yes, and uh, get drunk by the end of the episode Absolutely. every single week. Yes. Why do former athletes and coaches pull punches and hold back in their jobs as talking heads? It's I ninety five percent of for sure in American sports. It's just guys saying things so that maybe they don't offend their buddies in the league, and that's why Barkley's awesome. Barkley's like. I don't care. 
I made a bunch of money. I don't want to coach. But I'm, that's the same in life in general. In life in general, we kind of tippy-toe around these things. You know, it's the famous Minnesota nice. We don't want to offend anybody. And the, the fear is that by offending somebody, it's going to affect our livelihood or our friendships. And ultimately, you get more respect from everybody by calling it out and seeing it as you truly see it. But you do it in a way that's respectful. But, you know, at the same time... Uh, People will respect you more if they know where you stand. And if you tip your toe, you're just another pundit and, and you know, Bravo. people's eyes gla- glaze Bravo, over Cosgrove. when they listen to you. Yes. I also think, though, that... Take notes. Take notes, every, everybody. Every coach who gets a job, for the most part, most of them always in the back of their minds think, what if I wanted to do this again? And so, like, Gruden to me, John Gruden, who who a lot of people liked... But my biggest complaint about Gruden was he would always tell you the positive of a play. This guy, this guy, let me tell you, this guy. And, John, I always said, okay, all right, that's fine if the play's a great play. But if it broke down, something went wrong. So tell me what went wrong. And Gruden hated to do that because he's always thinking to himself, that job in Oakland might open up again in 10 Uh, years and I might want that job. So so, so you have to call them out in that. But it's how politicians exist. You know, they're, they're on the campaign trail and they'll say this and then, the, you know, it's playing politics. Barkley doesn't care because he has no intention of ever coaching a team. He's not going he's not, he's not kissing up to the owners. He knows who he is. He knows what he's good at. He knows the game and you have to respect him for it. But if you're just some, you know, half decent player at a decent, yeah. um, career and you're not, I think there's more of a chance of you being true to who you are. But it's the same in work. It's the same in life well, in general. Barkley, what I absolutely love about Barkley is going beyond being concerned about about his job or or his friends. He doesn't care about anything. But it's brilliant because he cares so li- little. He basically goes into every telecast saying, "If you're going to fire me, fire me," which takes a lot, a that lot of shows, juice. Shows his cajulies, and yes, of does. course. That is rare, and that's why I respect him, because the rest of them are just playing to the script and the same old generic conversations and reactions, and they're never going to stand out. And, you know, that's 90% of the workforce in life in general as well. It helps to have bleep you money. Like, if you're Charles Barkley, you don't really need that job. I mean, he gambles a lot, but he doesn't really need that job. You will respect somebody even more, because, you know, the more you have, the more you have to lose. Um, You know, with all the controversy that's been over the last, I don't know, year... Uh, with with actors and and celebrities and calling out on bad behavior in the past, I, I I'm all day like get called out on your bad behavior behind closed doors, but be true to who you are, stand up for who you are, and if you you know if you're going to ruffle a few feathers, and trust me, I'm guilty of ruffling a few feathers in my day. No, no, get, no. never get, seen that before, Johnny. Uh, but I have a cute accent, so I can get away with it. Uh, <laughs> why do you think I live in America? I was just at the weekend in Ireland. Nobody listened to anything I said. Even my nephew, who's three, was rolling his eyes at me. In America, your accent stands out so you can get away with it. It's like your, Trust your, me, it's I like your, know it. Your perceived IQ or uh, <laughs> or like culture points go up. I got a coaching five. job with a city that shall remain nameless, Bloomington, and for a year coaching you 14s. I told him I had no coaching experience. He's got a scarf and an accent. Let's give him a yep. clipboard. Ex- I guarantee you, half the youth coaches. No disrespect to the youth coaches out there that have accents. There's one set of accents, or Frank Carl Craig, uh, another couple of guys, Stevie Ballas, I'll name those, that know what they're doing. They've been trained, and they're really good coaches. But these, you know, a lot of these city soccer leagues have guys, oh, I am a really good coach. I can play the front, back, how you like. No, yeah, good. He sounds great. Give him the job. And meanwhile, you got some poor kid up the street who's gone through the training, 
No idea. He, he's do, never going to get the, the job. Do the accent again of the accent. The Russia, the, the yes. Irish guy do Russian accent is good. No? That's very Teddy KGB like <laughs> right there. Yes. yes. I'm a... Yeah, Maybe I'm a kick, Russian. Chick, chick, all night. He trapped me. <laughs> Maybe I'm a Russian doing an Irish accent. You know? Wow. Cosgrove, Cosgrove. You know? Actually, if you guys watch the show Billions on Showtime, I've the seen. billionaire hedge fund guy against government kind of a thing, it's amazing. I'm not, no. Damian Lewis is British. But he's got this sort of neat, his accent in billions is this America, this New York. Yeah. And I'm the idiot who didn't know or forgot that Damian Lewis was not American. Well, what's funny. I saw him on a night, uh, one of those late night yeah. shows, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. Wow. Damian that's Lewis. That's great. Well, my, my co-host on the Crafty Rogue, Stephen Quino, who's actually out of town this week, we have Carl Craig filling in for him tonight. So that should make for nice. an interesting show, 7 o'clock Brits Pub, Pints Optional. Uh, if such a thing is is real, um, he his daytime job is he gets employed as a writer producer and as a voice talent, and ninety percent of the time, as an Australian, he gets hired to do American accents. So, so and when he, he works, he, he does, does, a, really, does, he does no have a good problem. American accent. He does yeah. a really yeah. good American accent. In fact, we should get him on air here someday and have him do. We just have him accent. call in. Just yeah, yeah, he can just call in. And, That'd be great. Yeah, which um, I think's hilarious. What's the deal with this? We saw this. Over the weekend here in the NFL draft, so the Eagles have apparently selected a guy named Jordan Mailata, a six foot eight, three hundred forty six pound rugby player who's never played American football I saw, before. I saw film of this guy. It's he's just a beast. Is he a Western Samoan? What is what? What's his? Well, he's so he. Let's see here. He, from the Pacific. Islands? His agent sent a stellar highlight reel from yes. games with Australia's South Sydney. Uh, is it Rabbitohs team? He was running over people. <laughs> and he was fast too. Is that going to be? Is this going to be your new thing? You're going to start stealing rugby. Well, players? how is that going to work? Like, what position? It's. I feel like the games are. Didn't I mean, the Vikings have a German last year? That didn't two work years out. ago, two Moritz Boringer yeah. dominated the German the, professional football league <laughs> with the Bengals. Now, guy can't. Yeah, oh, he is. Mobo is going to join so the Bengals. He's made some now. money. Yes, yeah. he is. But is, is, is he going to do bang? Oh, not Bengals. Not the Bengals. Like Manic Monday. No, 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 no. no, no, no not Susanna okay. Hoffs. John. No, it is. He plays bass now. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're going around. They're doing the casinos. But Susanna Hoffs. She's a draw. <laughs> she really is. Is uh, that is that like an actual transition that can be made or? I don't see why not. Good athletes are good athletes. He's twenty-one, uh, so he's rug- young enough. Rug- rugby players don't do a, don't tend to do a lot of running, so I'm a little curious about how that works out. But given his size and the fact that he can run, and of course in rugby you're not weighed down with padding and helmets. Not that the helmets in the NFL make any difference anyway. Right. Um. Who kn- I think it's worth a lash. I'd I'd take him on. Yeah. These rugby right? guys are tough. Online. Uh, normally, the, you guys take kickers. That were rugby. Oh, yeah, because we've been stealing those for they're ages. Because they're not going to get tackled. Yeah. Well, he is, so, yeah, I, he's 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 six foot eight, three forty six. which that position is a right or left tackle, yeah. right? Um, I, don't, I don't see any other th- position for him just with that size. You're not going to be a running back. You're not going to be a tight end, I don't think, at six eight, three forty six. So can you learn how to prevent other 300-pound men from getting to your quarterback <laughs> is, the, is the question at hand here. Like, Can that guy prevent other behemoth fast athletes from getting to his quarterback? But, the, but these moves are all very important for the growth of the game. As we move the, the Jaguar, <laughs> Jag, oh, as the Jaguar he just, guys, he bought, he's buying Wembley Stadium. I know he is. I know this is this is such well, a done is deal. Is he an American? 
Is he an American citizen? Yeah, I think so. It has to be, yes, right? Yes, yes. And, and he's buying the stadium, and this move of the Jaguars is such a done deal, it's not it's even funny. It's all over oh. the BBC like crazy. Do you really think this team's going to stay in Jacksonville, Florida? When they could go to Brexity London? This is going... <laughs> this is going... This is, England's economy needs an NFL team because they're disenfranchising from the rest of Europe. We're not European anymore, the English are saying. We're going back to being buddies with happened? the Americans. Has Brexit happened yet? It's like... Or are they still trying to delay it? You know, there's a little annoying thing called Northern Ireland with a border, with the republic that's in Europe. I won't get into the nuance, but anytime we can be irritating to the English, this is a big opportunity. We're not going to let this one fly. It's not going to slide away. We're going to be as irritating (laughs) to London, to Downing Street, (laughs) to the House of Commons, to the Queen, to the Royal Wedding, as much as we can. John Cosgrove (laughs) hanging out with us. He's one half of the Crafty Rogues and the Crafty Rogues podcast, which you can find pretty much anywhere you would download or discover podcasts. Uh, We'll come back, talk more sports culture. Let's first get a word in here for Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. If you're looking for the most durable vehicles and the best service department, a place that, uh, you know, you guys remember that, that video that surfaced or that photo of someone driving into like the brick wall of uh, a driver's test place. Well, that's where I got my uh, driver's license. I didn't drive into the brick wall. They gave me my license. So ever since the day that I got my driver's license in Buffalo, Minnesota, I've been taking every car that I've ever had, new, leased, pre-owned, whatever it is, to Luther Brookdale Toyota, to the same people. It's this amazing set of people who care about your actual needs and care about you as a human. I know it's a novel concept, right? Uh, So find out what I've been bragging about here for years on 1500 ESPN. Stop in yourself. Open until 9 o'clock tonight on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Ask about the 2018 Camry. Go get a test drive. Maybe get one with a sunroof, one of those sport models. 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Judd now continue. I thought I'd be more excited than this. On 1500 ESPN. The person who said history always repeats itself was wrong. It doesn't always repeat itself. Two things might repeat themselves. You lot screaming and shouting and Tony Bellew playing games. They may repeat themselves. But you know won't you know what won't repeat itself. You know what? This time David's gonna win. Well, that's some edgy trash talk right there. Yeah, you guys sure know how to do it. All you foreigners. What do you mean, you guys? All you foreigners. What do you mean, you guys? All you with with non-American accents. Silly little English accent. Yeah. (laughs) You know what? You Irish are so annoying. (laughs) Your disdain for the English is so great. Oh, it's lovely. What, random question here. Since we're talking, since we're since we're talking almost anything non-American right now, that's the point of this segment, right? Um, do you think the Do you think Dana White and the UFC staged Conor McGregor throwing, like getting arrested in New York and throwing a trash can into a bus? No, or do you think, I think he's just a psycho? No, I think I think you know you know when you have small kids. When you have small kids, it's important they get nap time because if they don't get nap time, it's a nightmare. Connor obviously didn't get his nap that day, and the ego, whatever, whatever drives the ego, whatever that testosterone uh, mix is that drives the testosterone, some of it leaked into his brain. And I mean, just watching him, and that was not staged. He just saw the nearest thing he could get his hands on and threw it. It made absolutely no sense. 
given his history and what he's done and the way he's talked, uh, I wasn't surprised. And as an Irish person who's not an American citizen, he does not want to get arrested in New York. There's there's long term consequence to that that goes beyond you know getting a slap on the wrists. Sounds you like you know banned. about this, Cosgrove. Uh, you know you you learn. <laughs> yeah, let me tell there you. Was no why are you wearing a disguise right now? <laughs> there is no. <laughs> when it happened to me, I was in the pokey well, uh, on Rikers for quite some time. Let me tell you, the first two years I lived in the U.S., there was no safer driver in the Twin Cities than me. <laughs> Just there was no way I was getting. The wheel, there was two. no way I was getting pulled over. <laughs> and Let's now, just leave it and at now that. you got one hand on the wheel. <laughs> you're looking around. Now I'm own paper bag in it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. Where's that we? bottle in the back seat now? <laughs> uh, so are we okay? Back to this Jaguars thing because it does feel like a foregone conclusion that the the NFL keeps creeping in this direction. Going to put a team in London now. The Jaguars owner is like. Is, is he buying or has purchased Wembley Stadium? Like, it's all coming together. But I feel like logistically this could be an epic nightmare if for all of your road games, the minimum distance you have to travel Three is New miles. York to L.A. And maybe even, like, if you're going, if you have to go play a San Diego or, well, L.A. team. That's 6,000 miles. So you're going to stay an extra week in the States. I don't know. Maybe they're going to have to put, like, three London games in a row so you're settled in. I don't know. I, logistically, I wouldn't like to have to manage that. And, oh, no, it'd be a pain. and if you're a player and you're a Jaguars player, are you now a resident with a work permit in the UK? And how does that all work with wages and with taxes? The league would have to and do all, all of that. that. The league would Maybe have to Maybe Goodell actually would have to do that. some work and get some admin instead of just standing on a stage looking like a. Giving, giving aggressive bet, hugs to draft picks. Yes. I bet, I bet you're right, John. I bet you, you would have. Three game home stands or home stands, and then if you were going to be traveling, you'd come and practice in New York, for instance. Yeah, and then I'd either like play the Giants or Jets, and or fly on Wednesday or Thursday to just the place where you're going. I will say this right though: I will say this. A couple of times I've, I've flown home to London, and I flew in via London, and there was an NFL game in London that weekend, and I think Cincinnati was playing the game, and there's a bunch of fans, and they're getting off the plane. They were so excited to be in London to watch an NFL game. I mean, this was a unique... You could see a lot of uh, kids there as well with their parents going. They were going for the weekend. They were in for a good time to New York. A buddy of mine that works with Delta Airlines, and uh, he said, it's now a thing on the East Coast, especially with the upper echelons of society there, to take a weekend in London. Just leave on Friday afternoon, fly into London, come Saturday morning, spend the weekend there. So it, there's a shift, this whole globalization shift of now it's acceptable to go to London for the weekend, says the guy who just got back from Ireland I was gonna say, for yeah, the weekend. A yeah. <laughs> little different for me because I have family and different reasons for going there. But it's a unique experience. You know, you go to every American, every American city has their unique, you know, structure, but the culture is pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. You're not going to like have to adjust to driving on another side of the road or being driven around by people in a different culture. So I think it, you know, it could be interesting. It could be good for the American experience. Yeah. Uh, all right. What, what do you make of uh, the, the start to the MLS season here for our loons who are, you know, they are, they're, they're sort of holding their own. They're seventh in the West out of 12 teams. They have nine points, and uh, they're just a point behind a fifth place galaxy right now. I think they're being injuries. unlucky. Injuries are, are injuries are way more impactful in soccer than a lot of other sports. They can really, you know, Adrian Heath probably had a, a, a team, a, a good solid structure in mind when he started the season. These injuries, the best teams in the world 
uh, and the Premier League and, and others can get really get affected by these injuries. And they've, you know, they had they lost four games in a row. They come back. They were not expected to even draw with tie with Houston at the weekend, and they beat them. They beat after, them. After I saw that after coming a goal down. So. Yep. Um, I have to hand it to them, and they got another home game this weekend. I'm excited. To, I'm actually going to go and bring the kids against some Canadians that are going to show up, Vancouver, who are also a team that brings a lot of away fans. And hopefully they won't just put them in one section because that's encouraging a whole different culture. But I'm encouraged by the fact that they beat Houston and they're starting to warm up again. So, you know, I say be proud of them. Wait, so do do they do, do that at at these games? Do they put the fans of, of an opposing team in one section? You know, yeah, As I mean, the whole idea them. of segregation within yeah. sport is alien to me as an Irish person. Not alien in the soccer culture, but, you know, these, these soccer, t- the soccer culture in Europe is all based around tribalism and, and safety, and they would section people off. And this game today between Rome and Liverpool in Champions League, there's going to be more police there than actual fans. It's going to be insane. Uh, obviously not, but you know what I'm saying. You don't have that in the U.S., Normally because, you know, the away team is coming from thousands of miles and it's not viable for away fans. But when the Packers come to play the Vikings, they don't have their own section. Right. They just get taken in their mix with the crowd and they have a great atmosphere. They should, I don't they should have want... their own section. They should be outside the stadium. <laughs> they all smell I don't like want... cheese. Bum, ba, da, da, da. I, don't want, I don't want away fans having their own section. We were at the at the game with Chicago. They had their own, their own section. When you're in a group like that, it is that mob mentality. You're asking for trouble. And of course there was, you know, the Chicago fans started throwing beer after they conceded their second goal because that's what's expected. But if you're not in a mob and you start throwing beer and you're on your own, it's going to be awkward and weird and you're going to stop doing it. You're right. I th- well, I th- yes. I th- but I think the, the counter argument, for instance, let's say, uh, let's take an NFL example where if you go to an away team stadium and you're a Vikings fan, say, in, I don't know, Philadelphia, ah. and there are, there are uh, you know, 500 fans, all just drunken idiot Philadelphia Eagle fans in the section, and you're there by yourself with, like, your buddy or your family, and now it's 500 on one, so maybe, maybe there's a counter-argument there, too. I've heard some bad things about those Vancouver Whitecaps fans, too, man. So, you might want to just... Hold on, backtrack for a second. The filter sh- them away. The Chicago fans started to throw beer at the game here? Yeah. At the Did field they, or at, at, at United fans? At United fans. Do they know how expensive that beer is? I was going to say, what type of moron, <laughs> what type of moron buys a beer uh, inside bucks, yeah. Yes, and throws it? Yeah. That shows how idiotic they are, really, at the end of the well, day. Well, then they, then they shouldn't be in the stadium. Ah, what well, moron I can see was. Judd, like, in slow motion with chariots of fire in the background, <laughs> going to di- that, dive for the beer. That's probably a good no. surly or something, too. There's nothing wrong with that. That's good beer. Uh, we'll see. Is it $12, really, for a beer there? Maybe 14 I can't remember. I know it's not cheap. I know I don't partake in... And that's saying, consult- if you're, I'm if in the you're media not, section. Yeah, you, I'm in the media oh, section. Oh, I know. That would never, and you would never, eating, ever drink because you're in the I'm media section. I'm eating the Caesar salad and, and hanging out with the hoity-toities. <laughs> yeah. I'm all good. Who's Thanks the guy lot. who looks like an Irish Jim Gaffigan who smells like Guinness yeah. right now, who's going for his fourth helping yeah. of and, and media <laughs> buffet? There's no way he, he stopped at Brit's pregame before he came in the press box. You know that would never happen. <laughs> wow. Wow. I've No more secrets with you guys. I'm glad immigration doesn't go to these games. <laughs> Oh, Crafty Rogues Podcast, 1500ESPN.com, <laughs> Apple Podcast, wherever you'd find it. You can get Brits uh, Pub every two. week. Every, and then uh, it's, and then you guys have, uh, you said Carl Craig is filling in. For He's filling in tonight. Quinn was in Houston. He was actually at a Astros game. He shot a couple of pictures of the stadium. It looked great. 
Um, but they don't open the roof there, so it feels like you're in an airport hangar. Yeah, basically it has to be like 82 degrees exactly and no clouds in the sky for the roof to open up at some wow. of these stadiums. That's why we grin and bear it for three weeks yes. when there's blizzard conditions. And now we get a day like today when it's yeah. 70 and sunny. Beautiful. Awesome. Uh, all right, Thanks, Dave, guys. what kind Thanks, of questions John. do you have for us next, Dave? Well, he mentioned the Astros there. I've got something about uh, the Astros pitcher Ken Giles, who was seen last night punching himself in the face. Yes. Bill Mackey, Judd Zolgad. The thing that you can't overlook is how good they are. Mackey and Judd. They've been at the forefront. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. No score in this Twins-Blue Jays game. Fernando, Fernando Romero. We got two guys on, first and second with one out. Yeah. Top second, one out, first and second for the Jays. And Kendrys Morales, who looks like he's getting dialed in a little bit based on yesterday. A 2-1 count to him, so we'll keep you guys posted. Dave's got some questions for us, though. Let's do this. Let's revisit the Miguel Sano discussion we had earlier. Briefly go through your plan for getting Sano back on the field and I guess, productive. Uh, you guys said you'd go the full 21 days. Yes. You'd send him down to A ball if you had to and yes. really work on him losing some weight and figuring things out, right? Yes, exactly right. Yep, He would spend all uh, tw- 21 days and the majority of them would be spent trying to get his body into a semblance of shape. Yeah, I don't think, I, I, you know, for the people who think like, oh, well, Miguel Sano is, you got to get him back in the lineup. He's one of the best hitters. I mean, he's hitting like 215 to start the season with 41% strikeout rate attached to his productivity. And uh, just to keep this updated, going back 100 years in baseball history, only four players who have at least 1,000 plate appearances only four players in the history of baseball have a higher career strikeout rate than Miguel Sano, and they are pitchers who hit. Yeah. And this is about this is about conveying the gravity of the situation mm-hmm. to him, which if you just bring him right back and plan him back on the big league team, he's not going to understand. So let's say that Derek and Thad are of the same mindset as you. They want to take that same exact approach you guys uh, laid out right here and at the beginning of the show. Question is, easy percent chance it actually works the way you want it to work um the percent chance that it actually worked that uh, uh, because i don't trust Masano, i would say it's uh i i'd say it's still a long shot i'd say it's about a 20 percent chance that it, that it works out I, i'm just and i'm spitballing ideas because i think this guy is very close to throwing away an opportunity that's fantastic uh but this would but if i was to put the percentage high that would mean that i would think what i'm Doing is going to get through to him, and nothing has. So, I mean, they moved him to right field. They they moved him to a different position that he had never played in his life before, and said, "Please, dear Lord, understand that you're fat and you need to be in shape to play here." And and he didn't. So, I'm going to say it would still only be a twenty percent chance because he hasn't gotten the hint before. I mean, to, to some degree, like either you have that fire within you to want to dominate your sport, or you don't. And with Andrew Wiggins and Miguel Sano, I get that there's still time like one of them's 23 and the other is going to be 25 here shortly but i would say i'll give it a little more than judd i think if if a, if a new front office or i mean a, a teammate almost has to get into him like that's the thing like if brian dozier were to get into him and i don't know maybe those conversations happen and miguel sano is still just sort of aloof but i'll give it like a 30 percent chance of working the, the risk you run is even with his deficiencies he's still one of your more dangerous hitters 
because he can hit a ball 500 feet at any given moment 30 times in a year. So if, you, if you're looking to get back in this race and you still have your sights set on coming back and, and making something of this season, taking him out of the lineup for, let's say, three weeks when he could maybe conceivably health-wise get back in, you're, you're definitely maybe taking a step back as a team to take two steps forward if you think it'll work. If you think it'll backfire, then you might as well just put him in the lineup when he's ready with the hamstring and have him DH for a while. It's a really tough spot. It's a really tough spot. I almost got into this question yesterday, but let's do it today. It's about Baker Mayfield. Two pieces of news that came out yesterday. One, Browns VP of player personnel, Alonzo Highsmith, was speaking to a luncheon, and he said that just looking at the tape, he and others with the Browns had Sam Darnold as their number one QB as far as just what they saw on the field before the draft. Quote, then comes the part where you meet them off the field. You watch their workouts, you watch everything, and Baker blew me away. Highly, highly intelligent, highly competitive, and he had a trait that some of the good ones have. I call it efficacy. That includes the power to affect other people. I thought that of all the quarterbacks I watched, he stood out far and above the other guys. He walked in a room and he knew, and you knew he was there. That's why they believe in Baker Mayfield as number one. You also had the news from Baker's agent that Bill Belichick believed in Baker, that they were very strongly considering trading up to the number two spot if he wasn't taken number one overall by the Browns. The question is, do you feel stronger about Baker Mayfield that he will succeed as an NFL quarterback because the Patriots believed in him? Or that he will fail as an NFL quarterback because the Browns believe in him. <laughs> uh, I, I'd love to know just how much Bill Belichick believed in him. I mean, I think it's one thing to say, oh, I, I have interest in Baker Mayfield. It's another thing to almost have pulled the trigger to get up high enough to draft him. <laughs> or was the whole thing just to screw with Brady? Could have been that too. Could have been that too. I would say the Browns being in love with him, even though it's different front office people and different... it's. Like, it, different iterations of people making these decisions for 20 years for the Browns. It's the same ownership and it's the same result. It's like the twins in Yankee stadium for sure. New GM, new rosters change out the damn stadium. It's the same result. Like let's go back to that. He said efficacy. Efficacy. So so the power to affect other people that looks so much different in the rah-rah college form than it does when you get inside an actual NFL locker room or the maturity level goes up. You have to now lead 28 and 30 and 34 year old professionals with families, guys who guys who maybe are jaded, especially because they play for the Browns. I know Joe Thomas is retiring, but you have to lead smart guys like Joe Thomas who have been in the NFL for eight years. And Josh Rosen's profile seems to match that to me more than Baker Mayfield's. Like Baker Mayfield just comes off as sort of college rah rah immature. I would have drafted Baker Mayfield more off of his numbers and completion percentage than I would have off of any sort of leadership qualities. Like, you're going to put yeah. that in an NFL locker room, and he's just going to be able to, like, what? Rah-rah stuff? That's Timmy Tebow rah-rah stuff? Sorry. By the way, Eduardo Escobar. I'm uh, Eduardo... Eddie Rosario. Eddie Rosario. They've got nine Eds on the team. second two days. Eddie Rosario with a jack. Twins up one nothing. Romero got out of the jam with a strikeout and a weak ground ball in the top of the inning. And now they're up one nothing. Go get them, Twins. 
Um, the answer to your question that was insincere. Joe, oh, right completely, there, the completely. They're they're screwed. Uh, the answer to your question is he is is going to fail because of the Browns, the Patriots thing. Dave, you hit it exactly right, which was Belichick. I think floated that that out to screw with Tommy B. I think that's a whole different story. I think there's so much going on with the power struggle there. And Brady, Brady really thinks that he shouldn't be replaced or, or have a threat. And I think Belichick's smart enough to sort of toy with Tommy. Hey, Tommy, I'm calling Baker Mayfield's people. Don't do it, Bill. So I think that's completely different. And to answer your question, I think this does come down to the fact that he's going to fail because of the Browns. Did you read the rest of that story, though, and the Highsmith quotes? About being in the airport and seeing the UCLA soft or or a volleyball team. Uh, I don't remember that yeah, portion. That, okay, okay, that's this a, is, yeah. Th- this is bring great. It up, bring it up. So Alonzo Highsmith is in the airport sitting there, and I think somebody says to him, "The UCLA volleyball team is right there," and so he goes and seeks the coach out and says, "Hey, you know, I'm Alonzo Highsmith with Cleveland Browns, and I'd like to talk to you about Josh Rosen." Actually, he lied. He didn't say Browns. He said uh, any other team. <laughs> he said, "I'm Alonzo Highsmith with with the uh, with, Packers, with the not Browns. with the Green Bay Packers because I worked for the Packers before." Anyway, uh, the coach of the UCLA volleyball team tells Highsmith, "Well, the person you should really talk to is Josh's girlfriend. She's sitting right there, and she plays on our team." Heisman says, thanks, coach, that's all I need, and walks away and says he was turned off by this entire encounter and therefore was done with Josh Rosen at that point. Now, asking me to interpret this would be asking me to interpret the thinking of the Cleveland Browns, which I cannot I, do, I nor do I that. want to Doesn't do. Make sense. But anyway, he passed up the opportunity to talk to Rosen's girlfriend altogether and decided that that had turned him off of the UCLA quarterback because of that. Do we know why he didn't speak to the girlfriend? He, does, he doesn't explain. He just says that turned him off. He said at that point, interesting. I, I, I think his quote was, I needed all I, all I had to know at that point. I wonder what she looks like. It's like that line from Moneyball. The guy's got the ugly girlfriend, lacks confidence. He's too insecure. Yes. He's not going to make it. And you know what? The, like, I, I, I get that if you're trying to project, especially at quarterback, I'm not agreeing with, with the Browns assessment, but... Like I get that you're going to try and peel back more layers than just all right. Like, can he throw a pass? You want to know? Okay, is he going to be able to lead people? Is he confident? Can he go through adversity? But that seems a little over the top. But they told him to talk to the girlfriend, and he just walked away. I don't totally don't get it. I wish he had talked to the girlfriend. She gave him the scoop. He's kind of a D, actually. I'm going to break up with him. <laughs> he when we doesn't get back. want to go to Cleveland a lot, though, so don't draft him. Yeah. Uh, final question. I assume you guys saw Ken Giles last night of the Astros walking off the mound after giving up the three-run bomb to Gary Sanchez in the ninth inning. Yankees beat the Astros 4 nothing, and he was punching himself in the face. Quite literally, yes. a closed fist, right hand, right cross to yes. the jaw. Do we know if he has wound up in concussion protocol? Please tell me he's going to miss seven days on the concussion DL. Self-inflicted. I don't know that for sure, but we will do that investigation. Maybe just a dislocated jaw. I don't know. But the question is, that's pretty stupid and reckless. And you see a lot of that in baseball, taking bats to coolers or phones and nearly killing teammates in the process. What's the most reckless or stupid thing you guys have done out of anger, frustration, etc.? Wow. Oh, boy. I'm sure I've done a ton of stupid things. Uh, the stupidest thing I could think of off the top of my head, and I'll, I could certainly give this more thought, but I, I've 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 punched things like walls and stuff, like in a fit of rage when when you punch something. I put my hand through a door when I was a kid. Yeah, I really? mean, really, yes. what was that story? I don't remember why I was angry, but I. 
punched a door, you know, four, three, four times, you know, just a standard wood door inside the house. And, excuse me, put my hand through it. So uh, mom and dad made me go buy a door, sand a door, stain the door, (laughs) hang the door. I was busy for about the next week and a half. But you, you at least didn't break your hand from punching the door. So I cut it up a little bit, but I didn't break anything. No, I got, I got a story. The, the, The first story that came to mind, it was totally worth it. It was self-infliction to my vehicle to get another vehicle. This would have been... Sounds like insurance fraud. No. Yeah, this sounds like a police report. (laughs) No, well, here's what happened. In fact, you guys tell me what you would have done, okay? I'll stop the story before I tell you what I did. You're going to call the cops first? Hold on. No, just let me tell the story. Wouldn't have got it repoed. Okay, stop BASFing me. That was a good one. So it was a, uh, it was an. I had a, a used car, like a ten year old used car at the time. An old and it, beater. Okay. This is in high school, so my car. It wasn't like a new car that I was that in need of preserving. It was more like I was annoyed by something. It was a. Uh, I think it was our baseball stadium parking lot in high school, and so a bunch of us we we'd park away from the field for foul ball purposes. So I get back to my car. <laughs> And and another car that wasn't a car among people on our team. It was either an opposing team or so. It was some car that wasn't recognized among the players on our team. Uh-huh. Parked as close up next to my driver's side door as you can without touching the car. I'm I'm not exaggerating. I'm talking like within an inch or two of my driver's side door. Well, however, I guess it would be like three or four inches. However wide the side view mirror is. Clearly on purpose. There was no need. It was away from the rest of the parking lot. It wasn't a jam parking lot. It was just someone decided to be hilarious to go up to another random car and make sure that they that you couldn't get in your driver's side door. All right? That's where the story pauses. How would you have handled this? You just get in the side door, get in the other got, door, and get I in and drive been, away? I would have been PO'd, but I would have gotten in my passenger door and backed out very carefully and gone home. Okay. I would have, too, simply out of fear that maybe it was like somebody driving their parents' car or something, and you didn't recognize it because they don't normally drive that car, but maybe it was a friend of yours. Yeah, and I don't remember. I think I asked other players on the team, too. Like We made sure that it was someone else's car, just so just for that exact reason. Okay. So I got in the passenger side, opened up the driver's side as much as I could, and went to town pounding the other car as hard as I could with my... Oh boy. Driver's side door. Oh boy. to put a dent in the side of their car and scrape paint off. <laughs> wow. Not proud of it, but don't necessarily regret it. How much damage we talk? Don't box people in. I mean, they it depends on <laughs> if they wanted to replace the door or not. Well, <laughs> Wow, I I will say this. Hey, don't box people in. That's I w- not cool. I will. That's say, not funny. I will say this: if it if it tickles your fancy to box a car in, box a nice car in. Never mess with a with a car that looks like it's a beater. No, hey, because yeah. people with beaters. My don't. car's got nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. My car's got nothing to lose. My two thousand five was was that my Saturn that I drove for a long time. I mean, I didn't care. For the last five years, so you're just you're just so grand I, theft autoing so everybody. I was, so I was box. I Off got the a, guardrails. There's John. I parked. I parked. I parked pedestrians. CDs flying everywhere. I parked real tight downtown one time, and a, and a guy left a big note about you bleep hole. How can you do this? Your cheap car, and I'm like, but that's your problem, dude. It is a cheap car. So if you're gonna scratch, he it, called your car cheap in a note. Yeah, but if you're gonna scratch my car, I don't care. So to to the point car? to the point of the. 
That had been done at some point. So you had a broken windshield for years. I had a broken well, I did not get fixed. It, here's the problem. I was driving home from the Vikings one day and and it was one, it was a cold day and all of a sudden the heat hit it wrong and it just snapped, it just broke. And I was like I could get it fixed, but I don't really care that much. So yeah, I drove around with a smiley face. You don't car. really care if like you know your windshield hey, collapses car, into your body while you're driving. The new car is in perfect shape though. The new car is immaculate. I don't let anything well, in there. It'll stay that way as long as you don't box me in. And no CDs either. You've really made a move in your life, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, I am at 48 years old. I have my first clean car. Okay, <laughs> Mackie and Judd are back. Now you can tell when they're ready by. Poking them with your finger. On 1500 ESPN. This is the pecking order. Today's topic, the most maddening Minnesota Vikings of all time. Here are Mackie and Judd. (laughs) We never gave Dave a chance to chime in with... At least his partial list on this one. You and I gave our list of ten, and uh, we got a bunch of suggestions from people on Twitter here too. So let's let's start with Dave. We were talking off the air. You could put a number of defensive backs historically on this list, right? I mean, like Vikings defensive backs that drove you crazy. I couldn't decide which ones. That's the problem. Those are most of the names that came to mind. You named some of the other ones: Adrian Peterson with the fumbling, who wasn't driven nuts by Christian Ponder, and. Not even so much the play on the field, just the easily correctable, easily correctable. Okay, then correct it, Christian. Let's go. (laughs) But it seems like there's a defensive back every year, every two years, going back through at least the 90s when I was watching Vikings games every Sunday. That is, how can you be that bad? I I don't know how it's possible. The the first name that came to mind was Chris Chris Dishman. Yeah. And you said exactly what I said during a break earlier, exactly what I was thinking. I remember you from Tecmo Super Bowl. So you must be awesome, right? I know your name, man. You must be awesome. That means you have to have talent. And he was good in KC. (laughs) Yes. So, yes, he was very good at one time. Well, no, he's not here. He was, Chris Dishman played almost his entire career in Houston and then bounced around Washington, Kansas City, Minnesota. But I'm with Dave at the time in 2000, and he's the famous, like, the play on Monday night where Al Michaels says he did. Antonio Freeman. Yeah. Yes. But if you were to play that out, all over again now that you're an adult and you've watched several iterations of you know Vikings rosters. Chris Dishman was 35 years old when he signed with the Vikings, had been on three teams in four years. How many 35-year-olds besides Terrence Newman are really successful at cornerback? You know, so we yeah. would have we would have saw that coming Dishman from the get go. Dishman was very much a twins like v- veteran, washed up player. Yeah, you know, hey, let's bring this guy. Hey, I've heard of him. <laughs> Unfortunately, he can't run. <laughs> He's Joe Creedy, yeah. and apparently, he has no feeling at all whatsoever that there may be a football on his back that Antonio Freeman is going to pick up. Happen. You know, um, the other name that I've seen a couple times, people emailing and tweeting in, is from maddening Vikings players, Randy Moss. I would only go there if you separated him into stint one and stint two, because stint two Randy Moss is for sure one of the more maddening players in that you thought at first maybe there was gas in the tank and he was going to give it one last ride. Him and Brett Favre save the season. He's going to play with this vendetta against the New England Patriots, right? Yeah. And it was, it was just a disaster. It lasted, what, slightly less than a month. So yeah, it was like five, it was five weeks. Or I something. saw on a 
Twitter, I saw Fred Smoot's name, and I did think to myself, yeah, "How do we miss that one?" This is pretty good because this he was is hilarious. Was he maddening? He was hilarious. No, but he was sort of the he he was sort of the the Vikings have finally solved their cornerback problem, and they paid him a lot. They signed him to a big deal, and yeah. they paid him quite a bit. And you thought, and then he came out with a great quote about he covers what two thirds of the seventy percent yeah. of the water or whatever. Or yes. Earth is covered by the water. Is the rest covered is covered by, by smoke. And, it is yeah. a great line. And the, it is. And the lasting it's patently false. And yeah. the lasting memory of Fred's mood, of course, is him being being lifted and claiming he was hurt against Carolina, and Steve Smith rowing the boat on the field during that uh, Panthers Vikings game in two thousand five. Yeah. That's the lasting impression of Freddie Smoot. I was going to throw well, that out until the Love Boat documentary from was it that's true but actually yeah which he fully embraces that's now yes. the lasting memory yeah I was going to throw out like any of those safeties in the Childress era these are honorable mentions Tyrell but, Johnson like, Medea Williams Tyrell Johnson or Medea Williams Tyrell Johnson who wanted to be when it was all said and done, when it's all said and done I want to be you know the best the best safety in the NFL it's like well how about just like be I'm, in the NFL still five I'm years about, later. How about play your position semi-competently, and we'll call it a day, Tyrell. Make the club. But, yeah, cornerback has been... Because if you go through the list of corners, you've got, what, Cedric Griffin on that list, Josh Robinson. Oh, yeah. Uh, Asher Allen, Marcus McCauley. You could almost just group them all together. You really on could. maddening Vikings list. Just a list, yeah. yes. By the way, uh, Petit has another hit. Is it Gregorio Petit? This yes. 33-year-old journeyman that the Twins called up. Uh, Gregorio Petit just stole his second career base. He's on second base. Nobody out. 2-0 count. Twins up one nothing. bottom third. And uh, we'll see what happens. Let's play a Jason Castro at the plate? One more to the list, by yep. the way, uh, from emailer Paul. Chris Hovan. I think he makes oh, the yeah. list. A lot Goodbye, of chatter. Goodbye, Never Minnesota. Never backed it up. A lot of chatter. A lot of face paint. Not as much production. Yeah. It started off okay. good with, with him, but I think it did. Uh, a lot more personality than... Actual today's game is called How is a Twins Bullpen Going to Blow This One? That's today's game. Find out in about an hour and a half here. Fernando Romero's been okay so far, but yeah, he but ain't going to go nine. No, he won't. All right, we're back tomorrow. Bye. Mackie and Judd.